I want to come this morning to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read the chapter. No promises <laughs> No promises. we'll get through, although it, it, it's possible. Uh, depends how long we take to stop and smell the flowers along the way. Uh, the, the sermon title is, is probably not always is not encouraging. You know, a terrible times. You know, it's like 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 uh, if I use the name Schlep Rock, would that mean anything to anybody? He was uh, in a cartoon. Uh, he was the guy that always would walk around, and he had a he had a storm cloud over him all the time, and uh, and and it, it seemed like everywhere he went, it would rain on everything. He, he, was, he was just like the gloom and doom guy. So, uh, you know, the sermon title called Terrible Times may feel like schlep rock, you know, in terms of just, oh, this is a horrendous kind of thing. But I don't want us to lose sight of truth in light of those terrible times as well. So 2 Timothy 3, follow along with me as I read. But mark this. Pay attention. Pay attention. Take note. I got a phone call the other day from a telemarketer. And it, it, it started out that way. Attention, attention. I thought, that's an unusual way to start. The, you know, the, you know, like a, declare some kind of alert or something. But mark this. Pay attention. Look at this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with, the sin, with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, who as far as faith, the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clearly seen, will be, will be clear to everyone. You, however, know about all my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. 
because, <clears throat> because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't know if you've noticed it. Second Timothy is filled with a lot of good verses you ought to be memorizing or memorized. I'll, I'll reference them in a couple minutes, but it, 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 it's like, to me, it's, it's like, it's like approaching the Rockies where, you, where it all blends into a nice big mountain. You forget the lower ranges that are kind of overshadowed by the bigger ranges. But every once in a while, there's little mountain peaks that pop in there. And Second uh, uh, Timothy is filled with those kinds of things. So, terrible times. These are tough times in our world. There is, all you need to do is watch a presidential debate. That's all you need to do. And everything that you read about 2 Timothy 3 seems to be characteristic of that stuff. And uh, it's not just a presidential debate, obviously. Our world is filled with a lot of stuff that is just downright ugly, downright evil. And, and you can despair of the work of God in these days when you see so much evil about you. You see so much that's being done that's not wholesome, that's not anywhere near holy godly, righteous. They're tough days in our world. And consequently, there are tough days in the church, which usually runs at cross purposes to the world about us. We're, 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 we're different. We're, we're marching to the beat of a different drum. We're a different group of people than the average person out there. Not that we're better, but that there's something that's happened in our life. We've been redeemed and set free from the tyranny of sin and and the the onslaught of evil that could have flown or flowed from us to other people around us but there's something different our values our direction is different than that of the world <clears throat> and so the thing about this whole third chapter is that Paul was um, more than just a pie-in-the-sky optimist about hopefully how things are going to get better. Paul was very much a realist and talked about the realities and the, the present realities as tough as they are. So there are a couple pieces to this particular message today. Uh, um, terrible times. <clears throat> when Jesus Christ came and invaded this earth, he ushered in this epic that we sometimes refer to as the last days. From the period of time when he left this earth to a point in time when he one day will return in triumph to this earth is this period that we often refer to as the last days. 
and technically it, it's from when he left to when he's coming back. I realize that in our day, we sometimes talk about the last days and we think, well, we are in the last days, and we are. We have been in the last days, and while things are seemingly escalating and intensifying, that would lead you to believe that this world can't go on its course much longer before everything's going to come unraveled. Um, we know this. While we don't know the time or the season in terms of when Christ is going to return again, we know that now our salvation is nearer than when we first started. You know, I can look back to a point in time in the early 60s when I first came to faith in Christ. And you think, man, man he's old. Um, you know, you, 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 I've been, I've been in, in this Christ way for a long while. And I, I know that in the course of history there have been popular books written, late great planet Earth, you know, that kind of that kind of talk about what's going to happen and how this fits with the end of the coming of Christ and, 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 and the end times and and all and that I'm not here to dismiss that nor am I here to endorse that, other than saying. My salvation is nearer than when I first started, and that much I know. And I don't know when it's all going to roll out and finish up, but I, I, I don't want us to be presumptuous of God's good grace. Um, we listened. I told you last week we were we've been listening to uh, David Jeremiah series on the DVD. We don't we don't watch it. We listen to it since I'm driving. Okay, so, but uh, today. We listened to the to the topic I put off listening last week, and that was procrastination. I told you about that. So we listened to procrastination today, and it, it was a, it was a very good point, but, but message. But it talked about the importance of the now and taking advantage of what God has done for you now, not putting it off till tomorrow, particularly when it comes to embracing Christ as your personal Savior. You have no guarantees of whatever is going to be in this next week. When, 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 the, when our esteemed president started the week, he didn't have this plan in the middle of the week that suddenly, whoops, you know, you assume that, oh, everything's going to be fine, but now everything gets all topsy-turvy because... You cannot presume that you're going to have control or, or regulation over things in your life. And terrible times that we deal with as a way of causing our world to get all topsy-turvy in the process. We've got to be careful that we don't presume upon the good grace of our God. So a couple things related to this message today. First is that Paul provides profile of terrible times. What does it look like? What does it look like? The first nine verses of this chapter talk about that. Now, if I had in mind, and I love word studies, if I had in mind to sit down on the first half dozen verses, maybe first five verses, and talk about those descriptions, I could do that. And we could bore down, drill down on the word studies. I love to do that. I, 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 I get energized in that. I love language and how it works, all that kind of thing. But I'm going to resist that, and I'll tell you why in a, in a second. 
Paul provides a profile of those terrible times, verses 1 through 9. And it includes two things. It includes behaviors that we're going to encounter. The first five verses talk about those behaviors. And there are 19 descriptions. Unless you're obsessive-compulsive, you didn't worry about how many there were. But there were 19 descriptions in those first five verses of, of behaviors, all of which, all of which were on full display at the presidential debate this week. It just seemed like all of them. It's just, it's just this rancor. It's just all the kind of stuff. So when you read about this, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful. I don't know about disobedient to parents. That maybe that, that's another issue there for, for them. But ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. You, you could read this and say, well, that sounds like a presidential debate, such as it is. But that's our world. That's our world. And you don't have to, all you have to do is sit back and look and watch at people, observe people, and listen to people. And you'll hear so much of this stuff in terms of behaviors that show up quite easily. It's, it's almost very similar to the passage in Romans chapter 1, where Paul is describing the natural man and the way he responds to things. He talks about how God gave them over to uh, you know, their own devices, that kind of thing. He, he, he says uh, in Romans 1 and uh, verse 28 and following further, they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's just kind of interesting. Almost an identical list there as you have in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And the passage here simply talks about those behaviors. Increasingly, these will be people who become lovers of this. Increasingly, these will be people who have a form of godliness, but do not have the power of Christ to transform them or anything else that they're trying to do. We, you know, we, we, we look to men to transform our society, to improve things or make a better situation for us to be living in. And the politicians, I, I, I don't want to get all into politics. I'm not going to go there, but but the politicians promise whatever. If you vote for me, I'm going to do a better job than this guy. If you vote for me, I'm going to do a better job because this guy's an idiot. I mean, it's it, it just the unkindness and incivility that's a part of our world. It's, it's, it's not about what any earthly leader is going to promise to do. Our confidence is not in that. Our confidence is in the work of the Spirit of God to transform us and make of us something we cannot make of ourselves. It's, it's, it's all about Jesus. So we, we'll deal with this. There will be this increasing uh, lover of whatever and increasing seemingly having a form of godliness but not having the power. So it includes behaviors they'll encounter. It also includes apostates to avoid. 
2 Timothy 3, verses 6 through 9, is after this grocery list of behaviors is a description. Uh, and, and I don't know, and when you read that, if there was anything in there that caused you to kind of, I don't know if I like the language of that, especially when he starts talking about weak-willed women. I would think that every woman in the congregation would say, what do you mean weak-willed? Grab the person by the face, by the, by the scruff of their neck or whatever, and just like, get ready to get plan of a fist. And, and, you know, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So let me, let me unpack that just briefly. Uh, and it may require more, but I'll, I'll give it to you very briefly. He's talking about people who have a tendency to lead others away. And I'm not convinced that Paul is trying to down women and say they're just a mindless, incapable of thought and uh, that kind of thing. But I, he's just using it for illustrative purpose that these people are, his language, they worm their way into. These are apostates to avoid. Apostate is simply a word that we use to describe someone who moves away from the faith. Apopisteo, move from the faith. Um, that's how the word comes together. And, and Paul here says, these are these kinds of people in their behavior worm their way into homes and gain control. It's, it's all about control. Listen in our world how much accusation is thrown back and forth between groups that say, you're trying to control me. And we're not about to relinquish control. And we stand up on the inside even after, even after we have to sit down on the outside. They're loaded down. And I'm not convinced that Paul is putting women down. I think there are enough other portions of Scripture that, that put the, uh, the, the level playing field there for men and women. There's no difference, bond or free, male or female. So I th that's it. But I think what he's trying to do is say, look out for these people who will have the tendency to try to control and to rule over others. He gives, interestingly, in verse 8, he talks about just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. And you say, well, I don't remember those names before. And if you look it up, you won't find those names. Those names apparently were supplied or added. You won't find it in the account in Exodus, which is in the plague kind of section. You won't find those two characters listed at all. Uh, but it must have been a part of Hebrew uh, tradition or the oral uh, learning piece um, that includes these two characters, uh, historically, apparently. They oppose Moses, and even as these men oppose the truth, verse 8 says, men of depraved minds who, as far as their faith is concerned, are rejected. Avoid those kind of people. Don't have anything to do with them is the language of it. Now you say, well, how do we how do we avoid if we're filled if if we're if we're to be in the world and we're dealing with all these people with with 19 different behavioral disorders or, or flaws or characteristics or sinful habits whatever they how do we avoid being in connect, connection with them? It says if it says avoid them, just kind of steer steer clear of them, uh, just keep keep away from that. How do we well? I think the issue, the, the, the piece is, we've got to be very clear that we are following after the spirit of God and the development and nurture of a spiritual man. The scriptures talk about 
different kinds of people. They talk about the natural man who does not understand the things of God. They talk about the carnal person who seems to be living their life for the pleasures of this world. And it talks about the spiritual man. And those three kinds of men, if you will, are, are the ones that we, we deal with. And, and we find ourselves in one camp or another. person who is outside of Christ, who has never received Christ as a personal savior, is the natural man. He, it, it's just he's come into this world. And he hasn't got any spiritual compass to his life. And so he's just kind of out there just kind of doing his best. He may, he may be religiously, re, religious a bit. A form of godliness, but maybe does not have the power of it. person who comes to faith in Christ becomes a spiritual man, and he is ruled by the Spirit of God. That's the plan of God, the plan of Christ. But then there are times when, when we don't want to listen to the will and heart of the Spirit, and we tend to act out things in what we sometimes refer to as carnal behavior. And the intent here is to say, look, avoid those kinds of people that are not moving in that holy direction, but are moving in a counterproductive direction. And, and when, you, when you turn to verse 10, which is a pivot point for this particular chapter, Paul is here going to provide, well, I think you could probably call it a threefold strategy to survive. How do you get through that? How do you get through this stuff with all those people that are behaviors and apostates to avoid? How do you how do you how do you counteract that? And so Paul so Paul offers three strategies. The first one is this, verses 10 through 13, follow godly leadership. You, however, remember he started the chapter, he said, mark these people, pay attention, pay attention. But you need to move a different direction. You, however, know all about my teaching. Timothy, you know my way of life, you know my purpose, you know my faith, you know my patience, you know my love, endurance, you know the things I've suffered and the persecutions I've endured, what kinds of things happened to me in the history book of the book of Acts, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, persecutions they endured. And if you if you ever if we ever get to finish that study in the book of Acts, you could find the stories there where Paul is persecuted and physically beaten and left for dead. And all kinds of stories that you don't want to happen to you, but to happen to him. He says, you know all of that stuff. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. You know all about my teachings and my way of life. Um, people observe you, whether you like it or not. People observe you. They watch you. Just, I, I don't know if you're a people watcher, but you are being watched. And I don't want to get you all weird on this, but, but people observe you. And they may observe what you say or don't say. They may observe how you respond or react. They, they, they are observers. And Paul understands that. And he said, Timothy, look, you know the way I've lived among you. You've seen it. You've seen how, you've seen how, the presence of Christ has been evident in my life. When I, when I encounter things that are beyond my control, beyond my ability, um, you've seen that. So follow that godly leadership. And that calls us then to be people who are leading by example. I told you before about verses that, that you might 
find in Timothy that are memorable verses. If you go back to the first chapter, you, you, you come to come to verse 12. It says, Paul says, that's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. That's, that's a hymn uh, for those that are hymn deprived. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it gets you the verse. First Timothy one, Second Timothy one twelve. You get into the second chapter, and you have this mountaintop verse in verse two: the things that you've heard of me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust their reliable men who will also be able to qualify to teach others also. Same things you've committed, and that's the ongoing privilege and and goal of discipleship. Follow my lead. You go down to verse fifteen of the second chapter, and you'll read this verse: do your best or study. King James's version, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who rightly divides or handles the word of truth. Um, those, are, those are memorizable verses. But then we come, uh, we'll get to a, another one in a minute, but uh, in verse 16. But, but these, are, these are all items we follow after. Become godly. Move in that direction. That's the first strategy. The second strategy is this. Stay the course. Now, uh, there have been times where I've, I've seen uh, you watch a movie and you get these one-liners that come out of the movie. For me, uh, the one-liner came out of a movie called The Patriot. I don't know if you recall ever seeing that. But, but the one-liner that came out of that movie for me was this phrase, stay the course, stay the course. In the in the movie, the the hero that was the that was the word of his wife to him. His wife had passed away, apparently, as I recall, and 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 that was his word that he she provided to him to keep him moving along, stay the course. So here, verses fourteen and fifteen are essentially saying the same thing. Um, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Stay the course. Continue in what you have learned. Now what have you learned? Um, perhaps you grew up in a family that uh, that had a high priority for uh, the work of God in, in some way or other. Maybe it was attendance at church. Maybe it was maybe it was reading the Bible. Whatever it may have been that was the expression of that high regard for things of God. Continue in what you've learned. Don't, don't discard that. If that wasn't a part of your journey and you've come to faith in Christ, now you've got a, a new challenge, a new opportunity to to make your own path, if you will, to follow Christ in your own journey and not just living after somebody else's. Um, God has no grandchildren. He only has children, and you follow him in that process. Continue in what you have learned. And from infancy, you have known the Holy Scripture. Maybe that hasn't been part of your journey, but if it has... Be grateful. If it hasn't, start a new move. Start start a new chapter. Start a new journey so that you can teach others also. Go back to the first to Second Timothy 2 2. 
they'll be able to pass that word on. Stay the course. Keep at it. Continue in what you have learned. And then verse 16 is a third strategy, and it's 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 as a memorable. This is a memorizable verse. Um, over the course of uh, ministry, you have opportunity to serve in a variety of ways uh, in, in our denomination, for instance. And I had the opportunity to serve on, on the leadership team. Don Strope was on leadership team, Dexcom. We also have another organization that's called LOCC, License Ordination and Consecration Council or Committee or something like that, whatever. And we would have the opportunity to interview prospective workers they seek licensing with the alliance, and they would go through application process, and they, and and then they would work in this track. If once they're in placement, they'd work on this track toward ordination. And one of the things that was requisite of them is that they had to develop uh, and demonstrate, uh, not only by completing papers and reading assignments and all that kind of stuff, and seminars and all that all that kind of stuff, but they had to defend, if you will, their faith. Uh, they had to be able to answer questions of this august assembly of old guys that seemingly had life together as pastors and would be able to answer questions and, and ask questions for the dialogue in order for them to verify that they were indeed a thoroughly trained, equipped, knowledgeable of God's word, had a heart for ministry. And so they would go through that process. Verse 16 and verse 17 were also were always important pieces because verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. For the purpose that, verse 17, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. All scripture is... is uh, uh, Theopneustos, it's God-breathed. It's kind of like, it's just God-breathed. In other words, God, through all of the scripture, breathes life and breathes truth from that. It's given by inspiration of God. This verse is important because this this book is different from other books. You can talk about the complete works of Shakespeare. I've got about that thick a library, a book in my my library about them. And I love, fascinating reading that stuff, even even when you're not able to thoroughly understand it all. You know, but fascinating reading, different. But you can talk about Shakespeare was inspired, but that's not the same inspiration we're talking about here. This is a divine breathing of life into words, logos words, rhema words that just that 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 bring and convey truth. And uh it's God breathed and it's profitable. It has a purpose. It's it's profitable for a variety of things. Here it talks about teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. The four things there listed that are the purpose of what that scripture is able to do and intended to do. So when you want to become a disciple of Christ, you anchor yourself to this word 
the anchor to the right authority is the way I put it in this PowerPoint in the slide. You anchor yourself to that word because it is able to do what no other wonderful work in our world is able to do. Um, it is able to breathe life, give life to people. It's useful. It's, it's not only useful, it's essential for, for teaching, for correction, for rebuking, for training in righteousness. And all for the purpose, verse 17 says, that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When you look at the last verse, 17, compare that to the first five verses of 2 Timothy 3, you find a whole world of difference. You find this grocery list of 19 really poor behaviors. And then you have verse 17 saying that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not that junk back there that's so characteristic of our world, but that you as a person of Christ, man, woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These are, t these are tough times. These are tough times for us because our world is getting increasingly Despite little glimmers every once in a while of hope, our, our world is becoming seemingly uh, hostile, unfriendly. The old gospel song said, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Um, we are passing through. And the issue is, how are we going to live in these terrible times? Are we going to base our life following godly examples, making godly examples, not by our own strength or power or smarts, but by the presence of the Spirit of Christ who breathes life into his word and breathes life into our soul? Are we going to allow that to be the thing that provides the godly example? in order that we might be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. I don't know what your world looks like. If you deal with, 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 with stepping into a world that's really messy. When I was growing up, growing up, we had horses. And horses were notorious for horse apples that were plopped in the stall. And then we had a cow, and cows don't nice don't, don't do nice horse apples. They do these patties that are messy. And when when I, when it became Chuck, time to muck the stall. You didn't put on your best dress shoes. You got on some old boots because you knew we were going to step in it. No matter what you did, no matter how you tried, you're going. Maybe, maybe you feel like in your world in which you're living, you're seemingly you're stepping in that crap all the time, and you get tired of it. I want to tell you, there's no immunity from being in that setting, but it doesn't mean that you have to stay there. It doesn't mean that you have to model that junk that's out there. You, you're intended to move along in that godly example that you might be equipped to every good work. That's what God longs to do for us. He longs to equip us. He'll use his word. That's the anchor point for us. He'll use godly people as, as influential examples 
as molders of dreams. We get to we get to work with people and help fashion them according to the heart of Christ. So watch out for the stuff that's there in terms of the behaviors that are out there. Avoid that kind of stuff. Adapt the strategy to survive by following godly leadership, by staying the course, by anchoring to the authority of God's word. The world in which we live naturally drifts from God at different speeds. It can be alarming. It can be disheartening. You can feel helpless and hopeless as you choose to follow after the Christ, while a majority of those around you seem to be self-absorbed, morally bankrupt, unconcerned about anything but them, their own world, their own lives. To this world, we are called as salt and light to represent the kingdom values and claims on their lives. Recognize the realities about you, all around you, but purpose to march to the beat of that different drum according to the truth of God's eternal word. That's 2 Timothy 3. And there's more to come as we continue on. Uh, Would you pause with me for prayer? Father, as I think about the gift of your word to us. I confess that sometimes it's too easy to to not fully embrace that and be uh, passionate about your word. We, We read a verse here today that says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. And it's more than reading a good work of writing. It's your word to us. Forgive us. Those times when we ignore it, we don't pay attention to it. We neglect it. I ask you, Father, to work in us anew and afresh today so that we'll be able to live well, lead well, accomplish the purpose for which you have given us that word for instruction, correction, teaching, so that we might be men and women of God fully equipped, fully prepared for every good work you have for us to do. And by your great grace, accomplish that in us this week, even today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. May the blessing of God be upon you as you seek to serve him this week. You've entered to worship. Now exit to serve him and allow him to use you in a positive way. God bless you. Be sure you greet one another as you go today.